we all have teams or tribes that we're a part of. Whether it's the the team at work or the tribe at home, friendships, social outing, we all have various environments, teams, tribes that we are a part of. And the thing about all of these is that all of them need a team captain. And that may change. Just like in a football team, the team captain is different every, every game, the different season of lives and the various teams or tribes that we're a part of. There's, there may be a different team captain, but there's always that need for someone to stand up and be someone we can buy into, someone that we can follow, because we always need whatever environment, team, or tribe that we're a part of, we always need someone to stand up there and lead us. And that's true wherever we are in life, whatever stage, whatever age, whatever tribe or team we're a part of. There's always that need for that person, for someone to lead. And because of that, I wonder if that's why, when you look at Scripture, one of the most fascinating things about it is that there is story after story after story of God working, God coaching, God challenging people to, to stand up and become better leaders. I mean, just look at his interaction, God's interaction in the, in the Bible of him. Joseph of the Old Testament. And then there's Abraham and David and Solomon and Moses and Ruth and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at Jesus investing, constantly investing into those 12 men. There's story after story of God coaching and shaping people into being better leaders. And when I talk about leaders or leadership, I'm not talking necessarily about position. Leadership is more than that. Leadership's not power, it's not position, it's not authority, it's not title. If I would kind of just focus it down to to one thing that leadership is, it it would be this, it is buy-in. Leadership is the ability to get a a team, a a tribe, a group, an individual. It, It is the ability to get somebody or some bodies to buy into your influence. To say, I want to go where she's going. I want to go where she, he's going. And to buy into what you're about and where you are leading that particular group of people. That is leadership. And in so many places, and in so many environments that God puts us in in our life, what is needed desperately is people to buy into. Or leaders. They need someone that other people can and want to buy in to what they're about, to what they're saying, to what they're pushing, and to where they are going. There is this hunger for leaders. In fact, think about this number, 84%. 84%. I found this this past week, or a couple weeks ago, I was reading about leadership and leaders and all that, and I found out that they recently did a survey And 84% of the organization surveyed said that they expect a leadership shortage in the next five years. There is a passion and there's a hunger for leadership. Not just in organizations, whether it be business or churches or schools, not just there, but just down on our, our everyday level. In fact, we could walk across this room and talk to families and individuals and the answer would be the same. That what is needed in that family, what is needed in that individual and the friendships they have is they need somebody. We just need somebody that will step up and lead. Someone who will lead in the home. 
Someone who will lead in the marriage. Someone who will lead in the, work, in the marketplace. Someone who will lead in friendship. Someone who will lead in the church. There is a real void of people we can buy into these days. There's a real void of leaders or influencers. So, seeing this trend that is happening and seeing the, and sensing the hunger we have for leaders today, for influencers, for somebody that we can buy into on our team and buy into at work and buy into in our friendships and just someone that I can say, I want to go where he's going. She, because that's a reality of all of us, of where we go in life. And the reality that when you turn to the scripture, what you find is that the scripture has story after story after story of, of leadership, of people, of, of, of people being successful and people not being so successful in leadership. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're just going to look at scripture and we're going to look at what it teaches about leadership, what it says about leadership, because in it contains the best leadership examples of success and failure, principles that we can become great leaders by. So we're going to take that scripture and say, hey, what are the great stories of leadership here, good and bad, and how then do we transform them into our life so we can step up and become people that other people can buy into, and we can become leaders at our workplace, we can become leaders on our teams, we can become leaders at our school, in our organizations, in our church, in our marriage, in our families, that we can become those people that other people are looking for, somebody to buy into. The next couple of weeks, if you'll track with us for the next four weeks, I promise you we're going to give you so many great handles that you can reach out and hold on to and become those people that other people want to buy into, that other people look at and say, hey, I, 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 I want to buy in. I want to follow them. So what we're going to do on... Uh, uh, next week is John Turner's going to be here and he's going to challenge you in some principles of leadership from the scripture. Then the two weeks following that, we're going to do a hard dive into scripture in the life of Nehemiah, one of the incredible leaders. What he was able to accomplish it was is absolutely incredible. And it was only possible by him being a strong leader, by him becoming someone that people could buy into and would follow. And it, what the result was was incredible. We can learn so much and apply it to all the various teams and tribes that we're a part of in our life. So we're going to spend a hard dive on that. Today, it's going to be a little more clinical. Today, we're going to just kind of look at some principles of leadership and then go to Scripture and to see them being lived out, to see them being worked out in Scripture. So we kind of lay a principle, and then we're going to see it in action in, in Scripture. And, and here's how I begin that. And that is this, to, to lead, whether it's at home or on a team or in the office or in friendships, what you have to do is you have to give people a reason or a motivation to buy into you. They don't have to. No one has to buy into you. There's no one, you know, putting a gun to someone's house and having to do that. But you need to give people a reason to buy into you, a reason to let you lead them, a reason to let you influence them. And so here's what I did. With that, that understanding, I said, okay, what are some of the great motivations that people gave in Scripture about how they led, look at the story of Scripture, and how they lived, and, and what are the motivations that people gave to get people to follow them? And, and when I did that, I came up with four motivations that you see over and over. So we're going to look at each one of these motivations that, that you can give 
to let, that would cause people to buy into you. And then we're going to see the example of them in Scripture. But here's the important part on these four motivations. Is they are not equal. They're not just four across-the-line motivations. They're progressive, or in some sense, they're tiered. There's one that we'll look at first. It's just the basic level, the most basic, basic reason why someone buys into you. And then, but you don't want to stay there. There's some leaders that stay right there and they never become the leader they could be. They never become a great leader at home, a great leader in the workplace, great leader amongst friends. They just never, on their team, they never become that great leader because they achieve that first level leadership and never leave from there. What we don't, we don't want to do that. We want to move up the various motivations that we can give for people to buy into us, that is to, for people to let us lead them. And we want to move to the top so that we can raise our leadership lid and be the best leader in the various tribes or teams that we're a part of. And these principles, what are so great is that they come from Scripture. They come from the hand of God because God knows what it is to lead people as he is the creator of us all. So let's look at them. The first one is, like I said, is the lowest level, the lowest motivation we can give them. But it is a motivation that is this. People will lead you, or let you lead them. People will buy into you. First of all, because they have to. In some situations, in some environment, this is positional leadership. Sometimes people just have to. You're the boss, right? You're the mom, you're the dad, you're the coach. It doesn't even have to be in a, a position. It may just be that amongst your friends, you're the strongest personality. You're the loudest, you're the most dynamic personality, and people know that if they go against you, then it's going to, you know, you're just loud. You're just strong. You're just over. Bearing in your personality and it's going to cause them heartache. So it's kind of that, I'm just going to follow along. I'm just, I, whether I, I'm in it or not, whether I believe it or not, whether I think it's a good way or not, it doesn't matter. I'm just going because I kind of feel like I have to. And there's situations in life where some people will follow us just because they have to because we have that position. They're the boss. They're the teacher. They're the coach. They're the mom. They're the dad. They're the one that has the position. Jana had a supervisor for a few years that this is where she led from. She led from that position, and she, was, she, would, she would say, hey, I'm the boss, that's why. And if she didn't say it, she sure made you feel it as she would walk, and you knew. You had to buy into where she was going. You had to do what she wanted to do, because why? She led from this position, and she made sure everybody knew it. I'm the boss. So that's why you need to follow what I do. That's why you need to buy in to what I'm selling. Now, we see this style of leadership playing out in various places in Scripture. One of them is this. In the, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, there was a period of time before the Roman Empire came to be. There was a period of time in which the world had one superpower. It was the Babylonians. The Babylonians were incredible warriors. Uh, they, were, they were builders. They were smart in how to, to conquer and manage and things like that. And as a result, they just became a, the world power, superpower. Only one. And so they are unchecked. They kind of did what they did. And and, uh, and, and they conquered Israel, and they conquered this country. And then, so Babylon itself, because they conquered these places and bring people back, became very metropolitan. People from different cultures, speaking different languages, living all there. And King Nebuchadnezzar was the king. And he led from this motivation what, hey, you've got to buy into me because you have to. And listen to that coming out in this. Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. It says this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he summoned the surtraps of perfects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come 
to the dedication of the image he had set up. Verse 3. So the satraps, the perfects, the governors, look what they did. The governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judge, the magistrates, and all the provincial officials, what they do? They assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. He said, you come. What they do? They bought in. They showed up. Why? Because they had to. And it goes on. It says, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language. Again, that's because the nation had become so metropolitan, so many different languages and so many different cultures and nationalities in this, in this country. This is what you are commanded to do. In other words, you need to buy into this. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zypher, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Just in case if you knew you had no choice, let me make sure you understand, I'm the boss. I have the power. So you have to. So what did everybody do? Verse 7. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the, the flute, the zypher, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and people of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. It's because they... He was king. They bought in. They followed. They went where he wanted to go. Why? Because they had to. And sometimes when you're in a position, you do need to, to lead from this position, especially in moments of chaos or moments of stress. Sometimes you just need to say, hey, this is what we're doing, and we're doing it because I said so, because I'm dad, because I'm the one responsible, because I'm the one in the position, and so this is where we're going. But listen, that should be a, a minority way in which you get people to buy into you because here's why. If that is the way you get people to buy into you, the end result is you have more chaos than people following you. You have more turnover than people following you. And ultimately, you have more rebellion, whether it's in your home, mom and dad, whether it is in your workplace, whether it's in your friendship, when you get into a position and you use that as the main motivation to get people to buy into you, you may get them to do something, but what happens is you get rebellion. You know why? Because of a simple principle that is always true. And this principle is this, that rules without relationship lead to rebellion. It doesn't matter that's in the home, that is in a friendship, that is in the workplace, you can be the boss and you give quota and quota and you give rules, rules, you give expectation, expectation, but if those underneath you don't sense that you really care about them, that you're investing into the relationship with you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have rebellion. That rebellion may be as simply as they're just going, here he goes again. That rebellion may be that they're saying, hey, I'm out of here as soon as I can get out of here and you just have turnover, turnover. It re rebellion may be your own children that are that are kowtowing to you constantly, I'm the dad, I'm the dad, I'm the dad, because I said so, because I said so. Sometimes you have to use that. But if you consistently use that as the main motivation to try to get your children to buy into, you forget a principle that's inescapable. And the principle is that rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And so this is a level, and sometimes you have to pull this level of, of motivation out. Sometimes you have to lean into it for, for people to buy into you. But this must not be the main reason why you get people buy into you. This must not be the main motivation you use in your leadership. If you do, over time, you'll lead people, but you'll also find a lot of chaos and a lot of rebellion under your leadership. That's the first one. That's loads of them. The second tier is this. Because of what you do, or another way to say it, because of what you've accomplished. There's things about people, and that is this. People love to be around a winner. People love to be around people who are successful. 
People love to be around people who accomplish big things. We just love that. We want to be a part of that train. And when you find somebody that's being good in their area, that's being successful in a particular task, what do you do? You buy into that. You want to be a part of that. We're feeling it right now in our life. You know, Colton plays for uh, Mary Persons, and we've had a good year so far. Right? We're 6-0, and and, and he's having a great year. He's a senior. He would like to play in college. And so we're playing the game right now of recruiting and where his place is and all this kind of stuff. And it's a, I'm going to tell you, tell you, tell you, it is a crazy, sometimes cruel game. But I tell you this. If tomorrow he got a phone call and it was Nick Saban on the other end of the line <laughs> and he said, hey, Colton, I just want you to come up tomorrow and just hang out with me. Now, we have never been Alabama football fans. Our family is maroon and white but the better maroon and white uh, that is in Texas. You know, I, we don't know anything about the University of Alabama. Really, we don't. We don't know anything about their culture. We don't know anything about how Nick Saban coaches or his style of culture, the culture of the team that he creates, and whether it would be good for Colton or not, or whether he would love it or not, or whether he would want Listen, we don't know anything about that, but I guarantee you that if Nick Saban calls on the line, where's it? he's going to show up tomorrow. Most every college athlete would, except if your parents graduated from the University of Auburn, right? But everybody else, doesn't matter what team you, you support, you're going to show up. Why? Because of the success that Nick Saban has brought to the game of football. Because of the success that Nick Saban has brought to Alabama football. There's just something about all of us. We want to be a part of where somebody's winning. We want to be a part of where somebody has perfected their craft and perfected their skills and given, them all, given themselves all to something where they have become a winner. And we're attracted to that. We see that, that motivation playing out in the life of David. There was a time when David became very, very close to Saul, the king of Israel. He had married his daughter, one of his daughters, and they had become very close. And David didn't have a huge reputation. He had started to get a bigger reputation as a warrior, as a fighter, when he killed Goliath. But he wasn't wildly known. But, but Saul saw something in him. And so he began to give him more and more tasks in the warfare department. And David worked at that task. He was, he was passionate about being successful. In his mind, God had given me this opportunity. If God gives me an opportunity, I need to very, be the very best I can be in that moment. It's not just about letting other people down. It was about letting God down because he believed God was in control of everything. And if God gave me this opportunity right now, I need to give myself to it and be the very best I could. And he did. And guess what happened? What happened to him is what happened when we give ourselves to something most of the time is that is he became successful in that. And he became more and more successful. And guess what happened? More and more people started buying into David. And we see that playing out in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. Listen to this and, and listen to why people are buying in, need to buy into David. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5, it says, Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so what? Successful. That Saul gave him a higher rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. Hear what's going on? David is successful in what he's doing. He gave himself and, and became good at what he was doing. And as a result, people were buying into him. Buying into him, leading them. 
Verse 6, when the men returned from home after David killed the, the Philistine, the, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul and sing and dance. This was a normal practice when, a, when an army would come back and the king leading them after they'd been successful. The women would come out and they would sing and dance. It'd be a joyful celebration with joyful song and the timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang. Listen to what they sang. Saul has slain his thousands. Saul has been successful. That's good. Saul was a great warrior on his own. When they bought into Saul, Saul had had slain his thousands. And David, his ten thousands. All of a sudden, David wasn't real well known. He hadn't led a whole lot. But all of a sudden, he was getting a tremendous amount of people to buying into him, which is what leadership to saying, hey, we want to go where David's going. We want to be a part of what David's a part of. That's where we are. And they were letting lead David begin to lead them. Why? They didn't even know David yet that well. The reason was because David had been successful. Because of what he did and the success he brought to the nation of Israel. So much so that it caught Saul's attention and he started to become jealous. Later on in verse 9 it says this. And from that time, Saul kept a close eye on David. Why? Because Saul saw what was going on. Saul saw that people were starting to buy into David. In other words, people were starting to follow David's leadership over Saul's leadership because they saw the success that David was bringing to the nation of Israel. And so people were saying, I'm buying into him. I'm buying into what he's about and where he's going. He ended up giving people, by his success, a greater motivation to buy into him. What does that mean for you and me? It means we should always work on our craft. That in every opportunity that we're given, we should give it everything we've got. It means we should never stop growing. We should never stop getting better. We should never stop adding to our skills. In any organization, any tribe, any team, whether it's work or home or friendships, anything that we are choosing to be a part of and anything that God puts us as a part of, we should have the attitude that it is my task to, to help this organization, to help this group of friends, to help this particular group, to help my family become a success. Because what is needed here is leader. What I need to do is give people a motivation to buy into me. And one of the ways I can do that is to be about bringing success to the organization of the relationships I have in my life. I think this is why God said that whatever we do, we should do it with all our what? Heart. As unto God, not man. What's God saying? He's saying always keep working on your ta- craft. Whether it is a work, whether it is loving people, whether it is voluntarily serving someone, whatever it is that you've taken on, whatever it is God has put you in the middle of, you work to bring success to that situation, to those relationships of life. Because when you do, you're giving people a greater reason to buy into you. You're giving people a better motivation to follow your leadership. You're just being a leader in that environment, on that team, in that moment. You're buying potential. Your buy-in potential is directly connected to how well you go out and strive to bring success into your life and the life of other people. So what that means is this. Dad, don't ever stop working on being a better dad. 
Don't ever stop where you Don't ever get to a place where you think you know all there is to know and you've got this thing figured out. Because you know what? Your children deserve looking at their dad and seeing that he is working hard to figure out how to better parent them. It means don't ever settle with where you are if you're an athlete. Work to get better so your team can buy into your leadership. Don't ever stop working to bring success to the business that you're a part of because at this moment, at this time, even if you hate the job, at this moment, at this time, God has put you into that place and his expectation is you're going to be a leader in that situation. And how you become a leader is not just your dynamic personality, is how well you bring success to the position that God has put you in in that moment. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. As unto God, not man, because in doing so, you are giving people a motivation to buy into your leadership. It's not just about whether they have to. It's also about what you do, the success that you bring. The third motivation is this, and this is where we begin to take a shift, and that is this, because of who you are. Because of who you are. You know, when people begin to buy into you, not just because you're the boss, and not just because you are good at what you do. But when people begin to buy in and follow you because of the man or the woman that you are, you're beginning to give them a top-level motivation or reason to follow you. You know, when, when this is when loyalty begins. When you can get people to buy into you and follow you because they have to, they can do that without much loyalty. They can even, people start buying into you uh, because of your success. And they're excited about it. But there's not a lot of loyalty there. If someone else saw saw, if someone else comes around that's more successful, then, then it shifts. Well, hey, let's buy into this guy. But when people begin to start buying into you because of the man or woman that you are, this is when they begin to be loyal to you, not just to the task that you share with them. This is the motivation that, that is more about your character than it is about your performance. And let me tell you why this is so important. This is crazy, but it's true about us. Is that people want to buy in and follow people of good character, even if they themselves don't have a good character. It's crazy that we, we never buy into people who are less than we are. We rarely buy into people who are the same as we are. And we usually buy into people who are better than we are. Because there's just something about it when we see and come across and brush up against people who just the way they talk, the way they see things, the way they approach life and priorities, there's just so much character in that. There's so much integrity in that. And, and the thing about it, character and integrity is something you can't hide. It, it, it lets, if you don't have much of it, it comes out in your words and your values and how you approach things and how you see things. You can't hide it. And when you do develop a strong internal character, guess what? You can't hide that either. It comes out in how you view things and the words you say and the perspective you have and how you interact with people and how you prioritize your life. It just comes out. The thing about character, you just can't hide whether you have it or not. It will eventually come out. And when people see your character and when you develop a strong character, a godly character in your life, guess what happens? People walk around, and even if they themselves don't have strong character, they say, I want to buy into that. I want to follow him. I'm going to listen a little closely to what he or she has to say. You know, that's just a sign of following. I'm going to, and I'm probably going to repeat their perspective to other people. 
Because when we see people of character, there's just something that, that motivates us to buy into them. And ultimately, if they continue, if we continue to see that, the strong character, we begin to get loyalty to that person. And we see in that play out in the story of a lady named Naomi and her husband, Elimelech. Elimelech and Naomi were husband and wife. They had a couple of boys living in, in Bethlehem. They're just a good Jewish family. But drought, severe famine had hit the land. And in order to stay alive, they were going to have to go where the famine wasn't. And for them, it meant going to Moab. Moab was not a nice little Jewish province or something like that. It was a pagan area, a pagan country, but they had to go in order to survive. So they settled up there, and their two sons ultimately ended up marrying Moabite women because that's where they were. And so they got married, and they're kind of having their happy little family, and Elimelech dies. Now Naomi is without a husband. And they go on, and within 10 years, both of her sons die. So all the men of this family have died. Now it's Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. And so, as you can imagine, over the last 10 years, she's lost her husband. She's lost one son. She's lost another son. It's been traumatic. And she comes to a place where she just says, I just want to go home. You know what? just want to go home and so home for her is Bethlehem that's her people that worshiped her God her family just want to go home so she turns to her daughter-in-laws and says that I'm, I'm going to go home and my home is not your home and I don't want to take you away from me I know what it's like to be away from your people your family I don't want to do that so I want you to go back to your families you don't have any obligation to me I want you to go back to your families, and I will go back to mine. And Orpah does that. It was hard because what? Naomi was an incredible woman of incredible character, incredible godliness. And through the years of being with her, both Orpah and Ruth saw this. And as a result, they had loyalty with her. They had buy-in. They wanted to follow her. And, but Orpah heard what she was saying, understood the logic of what she was saying, as difficult as it was, she decided to go back to her family. But Ruth had a different response. Ruth chapter 1, verse 14, it says, At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me and be ever so severely if even death separates you and me. Then Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her. She stopped urging Do you hear, do you feel the buy-in? Do you hear and feel the loyalty that Ruth had toward her mother-in-law? And even Orba, who went back, still there was, it was such a difficult, difficult, difficult decision because there was such tremendous buy-in. There's tremendous loyalty, and it all came back to who Naomi was. That's a buy-in 
that's not just the result of a position that you have. That's buy-in that doesn't come just because you're good at what you do. But that is a buy-in that comes because of the kind of man or woman that you've become. This is why, when it comes to leadership, why your personal integrity is absolutely critical. It is why doing the right thing when everyone sees is important, but even more so doing the right thing when absolutely no one will know whether you're doing the right thing or not is even more important. Because all of these things, doing the right thing in the eyes of God, taking Scripture and living them out when they are noticeable and profitable and living them out when they're unnoticed or even when they're not profitable, making sure that you live with it, in, in accordance with Scripture and in, with integrity in life is so critically important because these are the building blocks of your character. And we owe it to the people that God has put us in their life to give them someone that they can say, I can buy into him, I can buy into her for reasons more than just the fact that we're mom, dad, or the boss, and more than just because we're successful at what we do, but because of who we are. Isn't that the kind of boss you want to work for? Isn't that the kind of parent you want to have? Isn't the kind of friend that you could buy into? Absolutely. This is why things like church and student ministry and bringing scripture into your life and striving to be obedient to Christ in all things aren't just a good thing to do, but they're absolutely essential to you developing as a, as a leader in your various tribes and environments and teams that you're a part of. Because these are the things that are shaping your character. And your character is one of the things that you can give to people that will motivate them to buy into you, to follow you. And, and the thing about it is, it's one of the things that people start buying, and you don't even have to convince them to buy into you. Just like Naomi did not have to convince Ruth to buy into her. Ruth did it because of the person that Naomi was. When you begin to become the kind of husband, the kind of wife, the kind of boss, the kind of friend, the kind of teammate, where people can look at you and it's not just impressed with you know, your personality and they're not just a, you're just team captain for the day or you're the boss, you're the coach. Or, and it's not just because you're really good at it, but because when they're around you, they look at you and say, you know what? Man, I can buy into that. I can buy, I want to be a part. They, who they are is so impressive. Not perfect, but so impressive. I want to be a part of that. I want to be around that. I want to buy into that. Now we're moving to the higher level. Now we're giving people something to buy in with us that not only will cause them to follow us, but listen, listen, this will cause a loyalty within us. And that means you're, if you're a boss, you'll have less, you'll have less turnover in your workplace because they're not just buying the job, they're buying into you. In your friendship, you're going to have friends that will stick up with you when, when other people won't. Why? Because they're not just part of the friendship, they're buying into you. Your team is going to follow you where you're going. Why? Because not just because you're successful, but because they're buying into you because of who you are. That's number three. Then the fourth one that we find in Scripture is this. And this is the highest. This is where you want to get to. And that is this. Because you've made their life better. 
This is the highest motivation you could ever give someone to buy in and follow you. That when they look at their life, they believe, they're convinced. You didn't have to convince of this. They're convinced of this on their own. They're convinced that their life is better. That because of the involvement of you in that life. And when you get people believing that, when you people convince that my life wouldn't be where it is today, it wouldn't be as good and rich as it is today, if I haven't brushed up against you, if I hadn't been around you, if God hadn't put us in the, on the same path together, when you get people to that level, that's the highest buy-in. Let me tell you something. They're going to be in your court no matter what happens. They're going to be the ones standing with you when no one else will stand with you. Because they believe their life was better because of your involvement in it. This is why some of you, isn't this true? This is why some of you look back fondly on seasons of your life. Where, that, where there was that mentor, there was that grandparent, there was that parent or that coach or that boss or that, that friend. And when you think about that time, when you think about their activity in your life, you sit back right now and say, you know what? My life is better because of that season. My life is better because of that person involved in my life. And you have, you feel, you feel a great sense of loyalty. You feel a great sense of buy-in to that person. Why? Because you believe that the interaction, the intersecting of your life and there has resulted in your life being better. And that motivation has caused you to want to have a large buy-in to that person. And this is the kind of leader, this is the kind of parent, this is the kind of boss, this is the kind of friend, a coach, a teammate, a teacher, a colleague that Jesus Christ aspires all of us to be. It is why when you go through Scripture, you find that Scripture challenges us to be more focused on making a difference than making a dollar. Why? Because God wants us to become the kind of person that by the difference we're making in people's lives, that people look at us and say, my life is better because of you. Because that people will begin to buy into us. And we become, we take our leadership lid and we lift it and we become better leaders. It is why Jesus washed his disciples' feet and invested so much in them. It is why Paul wrote things like this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. If you don't take anything out today, take this one with you. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And look at this line. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself above everything else here's what you do make your life about making other people's lives better because in doing so what happens it's not just a good thing to do in doing so you giving people a, a high motivation to buy into you to follow your leadership it's why paul and peter and stephen and so many of the early christians would stand up and they would rather die than give up their loyalty to jesus they would rather lose their life than to say, I no longer follow Jesus Christ. Why? That's incredible loyalty. Because when they think about Jesus Christ's interaction in their life, their, their thinking is, hey, my life is better. My life is different. My life is deeper because of the intersection between it and Jesus Christ. And so the loyalty was off the chain. The buy-in was incredible to the point that they would rather give up their life than give up following Jesus Christ. It is why great leaders, it is why great leaders 
have always been more about the elevating the lives of people that God puts in their path than elevating their own life. It's why great leaders have always defined success, their own personal success, is found in helping people, other people, experience success. Because when, I, my life becomes, when, when my life becomes not about elevating my life, my life becomes elevating other people's lives. When I define success by not being praised myself, but when I find success by helping the people that God puts in my path to invest in them and to coach them and to cheerlead them and to be a part of them and to stand with them to where they feel they experience success, when that becomes my personal definition of success, guess what happens? I become one of the highest level. I give people motivation to follow me that is deep and strong because if I really make my life about making other people's lives better, other people will believe that their life better is because of the interaction I, they had with me. And all of a sudden, they're buying, they're letting me lead them begins to skyrocket. That is what you ought to be working on, whether you're a parent or employee, a boss, a coach, a teacher, a friend, a teammate, doesn't matter. When you begin to look around and say, you know what? This one life God has given me, you know what I'm going to make it about? I'm going to make it about helping people around me experience success, helping elevate people around me, being the cheerleader for every person around me because in doing so, I'm just cultivating my own success. You work to that level and you'll find people talking about your influence in their life long after you're gone. And you'll receive Facebook messages and, and texts and things years down the line of people saying, you know, one day you said this or you did this or we spent this time together. I've never forgot it because it was a moment in which you understood that what leadership was about was a championing and cheerleading the lives of people that are around you. And when you do that, you give people incredible motivation to follow you. So let's put those four back up there real quick. There they are. Because they have to, because of what you've done, because of who you are, and because you've made their life better. Those are the four motivations that you can give people. And my question is this, where do you need to go to work? Where do you need to go to work? Maybe you've leaned too much into the lowest motivation. You kind of, in your environments, your places, whether you're a teacher or a coach or a, a friend or a boss or a parent or whatever, it's just been kind of because I said so, because I said so. You've just, because it's so easy to say that and so easy to lean into your position, that's where you've rested. Maybe that's where you need to go to work. Or maybe you've been a little lazy in the responsibilities you have and you haven't given yourself to those understanding that God has given you those responsibilities and become the very best you can be to bring about the maximum success you can possibly bring to that relationship, <clears throat> to that workplace, to that team, to that classroom. Maybe you need to get to work on your craft, on your skill. Or maybe it's about who you are. And you need to really work on who you are. You just kind of rest, I'm a Christian, and you kind of think that's it, and you haven't really thought about your character and what needs to happen there, and there's some things in life that are not pretty there that no one may know about, but I tell you, 
you can't hide the fact that it's stunning your character. Maybe that's where you need to go to work. Or maybe it is you need to make someone else's life better. Maybe it is you've been working so hard to get validation yourself and praise yourself and recognition yourself that you thought that was success and you failed to understand that the greatest success you'll ever experience is helping other people find success. The greatest point of leadership you could ever arrive to is when people are following you because of the difference you've made in their life. So where do you need to go to work? And the reason this is so important because we are hungry for leaders. The church is hungry for leaders. Your family's hungry for leaders. Your friendships are hungry for leaders. Your team, your workplace, there is a, a hunger for leaders. And I believe God expects those of us who are in Christ to stand up and by who we are and what we do to be the leaders in the teams and the tribes that he puts us in.